Thank you, ladies. And if you would, let's go back to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter number 17. And if you could, Matt, could you bring up that main just on these uh, wings over there next to the main speakers? I appreciate it. Revelation chapter number 17. We'll be looking again. Thank you. That's good. 17. And we'll be looking at Babylon, the fall of Babylon. Remember, we have religious Babylon in chapter 17. We call it ecclesiastical, referring to the church, referring to uh, the false religion that will be carried during the tribulation period. So there will still be religion. In fact, there will still be the offering of sacrifices. There will still be the temple and all those things during the tribulation period, believe it or not. And, but it is going to be a false religion that carries through. There will be a church. There will be a church and a religion during the tribulation period, be, be the one of the Antichrist, but it's all going to come crashing down. It'll fall about as quick as it was built. Babylon will fall. Ecclesiastical uh, Babylon, religious Babylon will fall. And then in chapter number 18, we see political and economic Babylon will also fall. And then really in sequence, we're going to see a series of events that will happen and transpire very quickly as the Lord is getting ready to come back. I'll just give you a few of those events here. First of all, in Revelation 19, we'll see the second coming of Christ. This is what we refer to as the second advent of Christ when he puts his foot on the ground the second time. The first time he'd done that was in Bethlehem in his incarnation. Okay, Emmanuel, God with us. In his first coming in Bethlehem, and then later he'll come back in Revelation chapter 19, riding a white horse. We'll be along with him, those that are saved, and this will be his second coming in the clouds there. Following that, he'll be coming to battle the battle of Armageddon. will be found in Revelation chapter 19 in just really three verses. It's not going to be much of a battle, I'll tell you that. They'll be gathered uh, to battle. The Antichrist will have them so deceived that they will go against God this one last time and this for this great battle against God, and God will totally obliterate them uh, there in, in that event, in the battle of Armageddon. Then we'll see the beast and the false prophet or judge. We talked about this morning how they'll be cast at that point alive, the Bible says, into the lake of fire. They'll be off the scene. And then we'll see that the Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And during that time, Christ will establish his 1,000-year millennial reign. You say, see, there are those that do not believe in the millennial reign of Christ. You say, where do you stand on that, preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked. I believe in a, thousand, a literal 1,000-year millennial reign because the Bible says it will be a 1,000-year millennial reign. Amen. It'll be a literal 1,000 year years when he will it'll be the kingdom age when he established his kingdom for an entire millennium and as I said this morning that depending on how we have conducted ourselves and how we've been good stewards with this Christian life and the responsibilities uh, he said you've been faithful in a few things now I'll make you a ruler over many things he didn't just say that to be saying it he said it because if we're faithful down here and he's able, God's able to give us responsibilities uh, right now and after we're saved and how we conduct ourselves, it will matter. It will matter. I run across people that say, it doesn't matter. As long as you're saved, you're going to heaven. You don't know the Bible, friend. You need to keep reading. Yes, you're saved, and if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. 
but you will be judged according to your works. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We all must give an account of ourselves. What we've done in this body, whether it be good or bad, whether, it be, whether it's hay, uh, wood, hay, or stubble, God's a consuming fire. Or will there, will there be things that remain, the gold and precious stones of things we've done in the right motives since we've been saved? That will matter. We get over the kingdom age of how much responsibility that you will have or I will have during that thousand-year millennial reign. Later, after Satan is loose a little time, we have the battle of Gog and Magog. Again, it won't be much of a battle. We have uh, Satan cast the lake of fire, great white throne judgment. And then in Revelation, uh, we end out chapters 21 and 22. We're going to be taking us into the kingdom age, a new heaven, a new earth. And I say amen to that. All right. Well, let's look at three things concerning Babylon, ecclesiastical Babylon. This morning we looked at the invitation. John was invited to come hither. And we've seen the comparison of here of the great whore that set upon many waters, which is referring to that idolatrous, okay, idolatry that uh, the Bible talks about a spiritual adultery. Of course, there's a literal physical adultery, but there's a spiritual adultery the Bible talks about, and that's what's being spoke of here. The invitation to come and see, and then we talked about that this morning, so I won't spend much time there. I want to move on to the next one, and that will be the interpretation. We're going to begin reading verse number 3. The Bible says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I, that's John, saw a woman set upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication and upon her forehead was a name written mystery that's important Babylon the great the muller mother of harlots and abominations of the earth and I saw a woman drunken with the blood of the saints that's referring to the martyrs and with the blood of the martyrs there again of Jesus and when I saw her I wondered with great admiration and the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee of the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. Again, when you're reading through the book of the Revelation in your own personal study, remember, if you, we take the Bible literally, literally, unless it doesn't make a lot of sense to us, like right here, talking about a beast that has seven heads, heads and uh, ten horns when you run across something like that all right first of all we take it literally like a thousand years what's a thousand years what did God mean by that way well, meant what exactly what he said a literal thousand years what does he mean by this we know if it makes sense seek no other sense lest it become nonsense so if it makes sense you take it at face value the word of God thousand years means a thousand years but a dragon or a beast with seven heads and ten horns is something we'll have to look more into that be figurative. And so we need to get an interpretation and an explanation of that. So let's look at the, the interpretation. John says he was carried away by this angel, away in the spirit into the wilderness. Where does this woman abide, this harlot, this great uh, mother of harlots? 
resides in the wilderness. Okay, remember this is uh, referring to a false religious system. One of the things that bothers me today in, and we mentioned a little bit about this this morning, is folks, it's going to get even more defined as time goes on that we need to identify which side that we stand with. You say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to give my position on anything and, and to offend anybody, but we need to have know what we believe and then go beyond that, why we believe it. Know what you believe and why you believe it. And what you believe ought to line up with the, God's Word. There ought to be a scripture, a passage, a chapter, a book in the Bible that can substantiate what you believe, all right? Because it's going to come, a, it's coming a time very quickly when we're going to have to define uh, which side we're on. People today try to, they try to uh, ride the fence, and you just can't. You're going to have to de completely define yourself and in, in what you believe, and that's the way it will be in the tribulation period. There's not going to be an in between. It's either you take the mark of the beast, and you're forever doomed to an eternity in hell, or you reject the number of the beast and the, and the mark of his name and that type of thing, and you're beheaded for the faith. So that's pretty cut and dry. There is no in-between. Uh, today we, we hear about different religions and different uh, people that are religious and religious systems, but before we are ever ushered into the book of the Revelation, we were warned time and time again, warned by Paul uh, through Timothy's writings in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 when he says evil doers and, and uh, seducers and evil men shall wax worse and worse deceive and be, uh, deceiving and being deceived. So there's going to be a, a de deception there and there are going to be those who say, he said uh, silly women laden with sins are going to draw people away from the truth. So we see that is an apostasy. The apostasy must happen. The falling away, a falling away from the truth. That's the reason it says in that little epistle of Jude that we are to earnestly contend for the faith as it was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly defend, contend, not defend, but earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And folks, we have some traditions if we have traditions, there are man's traditions and then there are God's traditions. Man's traditions doesn't necessarily have to follow those, but if it's God's traditions, we follow those. The things that God has set up. So we were warned about that in the book of Jude. He warned us about those who would be the apostate and the apostasy. All right? Those who know the truth, have seen the truth, they've been presented with the truth, and they deliberately walk away from the truth. That is apostate. Okay? That is apostasy. Those leaving the faith, the true faith, and falling to false religions and false religious systems. We already see that now. Ushering in before we ever got to the book of the Revelation was there to be a falling away, away from the truth. The Bible calls that person an apostate. All right? In fact, the Bible goes a little further in the book of Jude. It says these are sensual, is one of the things it mentioned, and it says they, they have not the spirit. They were never saved to begin with. They didn't 
have it than lose it. No, they never had it to begin with. You say, well, they used to go to church and they used to be religious and they used to talk a good game. But the thing is, they never were saved. Jude, verse number 19, these be who separate themselves, sensual, having not, not the Spirit. They're not saved. Hey, these are people who uh, he warned that they have crept in unawares. They've crept in unawares. They've snuck in. They're sly. And they've snuck in, infiltrated the church and that type of thing. So we've got to be careful about that. That false religious system and the spirit of iniquity, as John said in his epistles, doth already work. So he was carried away in the spirit into the wilderness. He sees a woman. Uh, sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. The next thing he's seen, her, uh, it was the names full of names of blasphemy. Blasphemy is to speak evil of, speak evil of God. Having seven heads, ten horns, also arrayed in purple, scarlet color, decked with gold, precious stones, and pearls, and then golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. That is the interpretation. Now, let's spend most of our time on the explanation. Now, the wonderful thing about the Word of God is if you read something and you say it just doesn't make much sense to me, a lot of times what you can do is just keep reading. And that's what's happened here is we wonder, who is the woman? What's the mystery? What does Babylon stand for? What are the seven mountains? What, what is it referring to as a harlot? What is the scarlet? What is the beast and the ten horns and so forth? Well, as we read a little bit further... The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible, and it gives us the answer. If you look at Revelation 17, beginning at verse number 8, we see if you have a Schofield Bible in between verses 7 and 8, it says the last form of the Gentile world power. Look at verse 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition... And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they beheld the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now listen, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. <laughs> so we don't have to look any further. We know we don't take that literally because the Bible says it represents something on which the woman setteth. So first of all, we see the explanation is the seven heads here are seven mountains. Now, one of the things I've got to mention is you go back to verse number five. It said, upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great. Now, let's stop with the word mystery. The word mystery in the Bible doesn't mean like we watch unsolved mysteries. It's not the same thing. A mystery in the Bible is a hidden truth that only the spiritually initiated can understand. So to grasp God's mysteries requires a spiritual intelligence and a discernment. Let me give you an example. You remember in the Lord Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, he often told parables. And he tells us later the reason he told parables, which were an earthly story given with a heavenly meaning. He's arguing the lesser to the greater. So he's using agriculture or seeds or farming to illustrate a point about a heavenly principle. That's a parable. And those things were a mystery. 
when he spoke those parables to those who did not have any spiritual discernment or spiritual intelligence did not understand what he was talking about. They didn't catch it, didn't understand it. I remember as I grew up as a maybe 12, 13 years old, me and my twin brother got a little interested in reading the Bible. We wasn't saved at the time. We thought we were, but we got our Bibles out. And we started getting interested in prophecy. And I remember opening up the book of the Revelation. And I remember reading it. And I remember so distinctly that I did not really understand any of it. I, I could not decipher what it was. And I had no idea what I was reading. I, did, I just totally lost. And later on, I found out why. The Bible says the natural man, the lost man, the lost woman, the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are what? Spiritually, what's the next word? Discerned. Discerned. Now, people say, well, I just can't understand the Bible. It's too complicated. Well, one of the things you need to make sure of is if you're, if you're saved. Because now that I'm saved, I don't understand everything I read and I don't have all the answers. But I'm telling you, I, realize, I understand a whole lot more than I did when I was lost because we have the Holy Spirit that lives and abides within every believer. And He guides us into all truth. All truth. It's the Spirit that guides us into all truth. When you look at the world stage today, when you look at the government of America today, you look and wonder how people could be so vile and wicked and ungodly. Well, you got to remember something. According to First, and uh, uh, when I say Corinthians, I'm not sure it's first or second. Paul tells us about these people uh, from Satan are spiritually blinded. They can't see. They can't see. You ever look back and think about the things you've done before you were saved? The way you lived, the way you conducted yourself. And you look back and say, how did I do that? Well, you got to remember something. You were lost. You were not saved. And you did not have the Spirit of God leading and guiding you into all truth. So a mystery is a hidden truth that only the spiritual initiated can understand to so to be able to grasp a mystery requires a spiritual intelligence and a discernment now the book of the revelation can be complicated but i'm telling you the bible says that this the word of god is of no private interpretation and the bible says in the beginning of the book it says blessed is he that readeth and understandeth <laughs> so god will help you and teach you and guide you to help you understand this wonderful book. So it is a mystery. It is a mystery. In order to be able to catch on and have a discernment and to have a spiritual intelligence and an insight, if you will, and I'm not saying you're prophesying and you're reading the future, but if you're close to God and you're doing like you're supposed to do and you know the Word of God and you're praying like you're supposed to be, God will give you a discernment to decipher some things, to perceive some things, to understand some things that other people cannot see or understand because he's initiated us into that wonderful mystery. So it's a spiritual uh, initi initiated to understand. So that is the mystery. We see here that it says, again in verse 9, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Verse 10, and there are 
seven kings. Five are fallen, one is, that's present, and the other is yet to come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. 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 I'll get it right in a minute. Verse 12. And the ten horns which have uh, thou sawest are what? Ten kings. They represent ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is the Lord of lords and king of kings and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. I like that. Mention a couple of things here about Babylon. In order to understand the book of the Revelation, you've got to understand the rest of the Bible. Babylon, where did it start? Babylon, or Babel if we will, is where it started. Genesis chapter 10, we have it was founded by a man by the name of Nimrod. And Nimrod, he started uh, Babel, Babel, if you will. And there was the term Babel. Uh, means the gate of God. Remember way back here in the book of Genesis, we have the four major events of Genesis. We have creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel, which takes us to Genesis 11. So in Genesis 11, you remember the story, the Tower of Babel, Nimrod, man tried to defy God, and how did he do it? he done it through idolatry, idolatry. And then Babel, which was supposed to be the gate of God, became a place when they conglomerated all in one place and God says, that's not what I want because when they came off the ark, he says to go out, be fruitful and replenish the earth after the flood. So this was disobedience. They wanted to be in all in one place. So God done what? At that time, they all had one language. God came down and what happened there? It become confusion. He confounded the languages which made them disperse from that area. You remember Babylon later, as you read the book of Daniel, became the world's first superpower, if you will. They became a great empire. That's with Daniel's uh, image that he has. Uh, the head, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, became a great empire. But it finally, it failed to me media Persia at that time. But all through history, we've had the Babylonian influence has been felt all the way through the ages. So we have that Babylonian idolatrous influence throughout all the ages. We have, we have Babel, later become Babylon. You see it in the book of Daniel. And now we're faced with it again, Babylon, the fall of Babylon here in Revelation 17, 18. So that's where that came from, and God's going to put it into it, where it began. Uh, <laughs> began. All right, Babylon, and this is a good statement. Babel is the beginning it is the cradle and the grave of human civilization, Babel. Let's look at the next thing. It says seven mountains. Seven mountains prob uh, probably symbolize the city of Rome because it is known as the city uh, on seven hills. All right, that refer to Rome. And the next one would be here referred to as a harlot. Now, you may think that is harsh language, but again, the, the biblical principle that we've seen maybe for those of you that know the Old Testament book of Hosea, it was teaching the principle of, uh, you had um, Hosea and Gomer, and the illustration there of the harlot 
and spiritual idolatry and spiritual adultery. All right, so God at one time in Isaiah 121 called Jerusalem a harlot. Isaiah in Isaiah 23, 16, 17 said that Tyre was a harlot and Nahum called Nineveh a harlot in Nahum 3 and verse number 4. The next thing I want you to notice is the scarlet, okay? The scarlet is the color of Satan, the color of Satan. If you look back at Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 3, the Bible will tell us about that. It says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. It's the color of Satan, scarlet. Then it's also a picture of sin, though your sins be as scarlet. You remember Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18. Scarlet was a popular in Rome. It was associated with what? Rank and riches. All right? So if you see uh, people that wore scarlet, they, it speaks of ranks and riches. Uh, next would be the beast, uh, seven heads, ten horns. Seven heads symbolize seven mountains, Revelation 17, 9. And also seven kings or kingdoms, Revelation 17, 10, the seven hills of Rome. Next, the ten horns are going to represent ten kings. And these kings enable the beast, listen, to rise to power and are even willing to yield their authority to him. They're even willing to allow their authority to go to him. So the rest of the chapter deals with religious Babylon. So folks, remember, we're living in the last of the last days when we do not really realize what we will have to do and as things begin to progress the Bible says worse and worse we got to make a stand on what we believe and know what we believe and why we believe it we got to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints and folks there are some traditions that are traditional churches as we are that hold true and over the years I've watched them deteriorate and erode away and I wonder once we flip a generation if we're going to lose a lot of the traditions that we hold true. Because our whole uh, traditional church is based upon this principle, and don't ever forget it. It's based upon the principle of participation. It is based upon the principle of participation. When will traditional churches dry up and potentially die? They will do so when the people are no longer wanting to participate. So you say, preacher, what do we need to do? The hold the traditions, to earnestly contend for the faith. We got to continue to work. We got to continue to hold the traditions. We got to continue to fight for the good fight of faith, and not back up and let the, the foundation of what we've believed, what people that have come behind us that have bled and suffered and died and died a martyr's death, so that we tonight may worship and study the book of Revelation without fear of the government control, and we have the freedom of speech, and we ought not to never forget it. Because I cannot promise you, you always have it. But for right now, we have it. And we need to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Let us hold those traditions true and stand for the word of God and stand for his truth and clearly define, we don't have to be ugly about it, but here I stand. Jesus, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And I'm going I'm to believe this book. 
And I'm going to live by this book. And I'm going to preach this book. Okay? And I'm going to stand by its principles that it teaches. And if it doesn't teach it and it's silent, I'm going to be silent. But if it speaks, I'm going to speak.